2019 was a pretty big year in the multifamily industry, with a few surprises that had an impact on the market. That's right. And a key driver has been the 10-year Treasury rate. In November 2018, the rate was above 3%, and a lot of forecasters thought that the long rates would trend upward from there. Today, that's not the case. And so at the start of 2019, the 10-year Treasury started dropping and kept going, even below 150 basis points at the end of August. The result? Lower mortgage rates, property price appreciation, and a larger multifamily debt market. And that might be the biggest surprise. I'm guessing that brings us to today's number. That's right. $364 billion. That's what the MBA estimates the size of the market is for 2019, up about 6% from last year's record $339 billion. And that's truly incredible. And you know, it does make me wonder, will we see more of the same in 2020? Hello, and welcome to the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. I'm Steve Guggenmoss. And I'm Corey Aber. And today on the show, we have the man behind the number, Jamie Woodwell, Vice President in the Research and Economics Group at the Mortgage Bankers Association. Jamie oversees MBA's research and related work covering the commercial and multifamily real estate sectors. He's been a guest on CNBC and Bloomberg, and he is regularly featured in both trade and mainstream publications. Uh, and now guest on the podcast, his biggest platform yet. Uh, so he's one of the best people to talk with uh, talk with to understand the scope and breadth of the multifamily market and a great guest to help us look back on 2019 and ahead at 2020. So Jamie, thanks so much for being here today. <laughs> thanks for having me. So Jamie, you produced the authoritative numbers on the multifamily and commercial real estate origination market. It's a resource for the whole industry. I want to look into that a little bit more, but first maybe a little bit of background on what you do at the MBA. Sure. Thanks. Um, and it's great to be here. Uh, it, it's sort of neat to be at the MBA as a, as a view to look into the industry and what's happening across it. Uh, we've got members across different capital sources looking and financing different property types. Uh, and so it gives us a really neat view into what, what folks are doing. Um, we have a bunch of original surveys that we do of our members that collects information on their origination volumes, on their servicing volumes, on uh, the volumes of loans maturing in coming years. Uh, and we take that and other data and sort of marry it all together to try and give our members and policymakers and others uh, as clean a view as possible of what's going on in the multifamily uh, lending market as well as uh, lending for other property types. That's great. And uh, I know that what's been really of key importance to us over the past few years has been the mortgage origination market size that you guys uh, are the source of. Um, so maybe we can start out and you can give us a little bit of background on what leads up to getting to that number, which I know isn't just a completely straightforward process. Yeah, it's, it, it's a little bit of uh, pulling some puzzle pieces together. Uh, historically, it's sort of funny. We, we started pulling these numbers together back in about 2005 when um, pursuing some policy questions. There just there wasn't a good sense of how big the multifamily lending market was. Uh, so we took one of our surveys that we do each year, which is our, our annual origination survey where we go out to commercial and multifamily mortgage originators sort of across the country doing all different property types, all different uh, capital sources. We collect information from them on the volumes that they're doing. Uh, through that, we're able to come out with a report focused on that part of the market, the, the dedicated lenders or the commercial and multifamily mortgage bankers. Uh, and that, for instance, gave us a, a number last year, 20, uh, 2018, of $574 billion of commercial and multifamily mortgage originations, which was a new record. 
Uh, so we've got that as this great source of sort of what's going on in the market. And it's got pretty much full coverage of the CMBS market, the GSE lending market, life companies, uh, uh, and a whole bunch of other capital sources, and the top um, commercial bank portfolios. But we know that it misses some of the smaller and mid-sized banks. Um, Fortunately, uh, there's a source that gets us some information on that, the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act data that covers both the single-family lending market and the multifamily lending market. So uh, when that data comes out, we're able to take those two pieces together, sort of mush them together with some deduplication and, and other uh, work, but get this really fabulous view of the total size of the market. So we've, we've got that view going back now to 2005 and are really able to track sort of how big the market is and how it changes in different ways. So looking back, you know, over that uh, over that time period and all the data that you see, are there some things that, that uh, you know, maybe some surprises that have come up over the last you know, 15 years? Yeah, great question. It's, it, it, it's sort of, I think there are some, some elements of the base information and what it tells you that's surprising that may not change from year to year, but it's surprising nonetheless. Uh, and then there are the changes from one year to another. Uh, in, in terms of the base pieces, uh, I think the overall size and scope of the multifamily market just continues to be so impressive. So uh, as Steve mentioned, you know, last year, um, $339 billion of, uh, of multifamily lending, um, expecting that to grow this year uh, to, to a new record and the number of different players in there. Um, so just thousands of institutions making loans, some very different contours to it. So you've got um, a group of dedicated multifamily lenders, very sophisticated players who make lots of loans each, but there may not be a lot of them and they tend to be larger loans. Um, so that takes up really the bulk of the dollar volume of multifamily lending. And then on the other side, you've got thousands of local and, um, and regional banks that are making just a handful of loans each of pretty small sizes. So it's not a lot in dollar volumes, but it's an awful lot in terms of number of loans being made. So some really interesting contours there. Uh, and then in terms of the, um, of the sort of changes from year to year, I, I think the, the really defining characteristics of the last 15 years or so have been some of the ups and downs that um, when you look at the 2005, 6, 7 period, growing markets and growing volumes, the 8, 9, 10 period um, in the, the sort of slowdown in depths of the recession, much lower volumes, but also the fact that if you compare what was going on in the multifamily market to other property types, um, the multifamily market remained more stable during the downturn than did some of the other property types. So in your look at the commercial real estate market and the multifamily market, what goes into the commercial real estate part? Uh, it, when you look at commercial, it, it, one of the things I love is you walk down the street and pretty much every building you see there's financing on. So it, it's all being being covered and, uh, and supported by this lending market. Uh, so that's office buildings, that's shopping centers, um, the, the local dry cleaner is most likely in a, a commercial property. Uh, industrial properties. So anytime you you get your Amazon delivery, that's going to be making its way through an industrial property somewhere, maybe a couple of them. Uh, really, I mean, you can almost think of the entire economy as being served by some type of commercial real estate. Wow. Um, so let's let's key in a little bit more on the the multifamily part of that. Um, and you talked about the different types of institutions that you see around the country. So can we break that down a little bit a little bit further? Sure. Uh, 
multifamily lending market is really well served by a bunch of different capital sources. Um, the largest with sort of 40 plus percent of uh, the uh, lending activity is the GSEs, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, you also have FHA as a government, um, government source of multifamily lending. Uh, but then you've also got banks as a really big source of, of activity. Um, banks will make a multifamily loan and then hold it on their balance sheet that they're using their deposits. They, they look at multifamily loans as a, a great place to put that money to work. And multifamily loans have been great for them. They, they were actually the best performing loans on banks' balance sheets during the downturn. So uh, a, a lot of interest there from banks to, to make multifamily loans. Then you've got life insurance companies. You've got um, the CMBS market. You've got investor-driven lenders like mortgage REITs, debt funds. Uh, so a, a variety of different capital sources looking to put their money into commercial debt, multifamily debt. Yeah, and I think that uh, as you discussed, you, you know the granular kind of sources of this information. You know the players. I think a, a great part of, of what you do is you get to speak to them as well and learn about like is is there a continuing appetite for this asset class and you know who plays in what section of the market. So you know I think that you know, you can tie that into the outlook for multifamily in the long term. You can turn you, in terms of the secular trends. You can talk turn in, into like what's the outlook for the current year. What are you hearing in terms of like expectations for the year ahead? Yeah, it, it, it's really fun getting to talk to all the different capital sources and sort of hear where their focus is and what's driving them and motivating them. And really, to a capital source, we're hearing strong appetite, and particularly from multifamily. If you if you look back across the different commercial property types, sort of some will be in more favor and some in less favor right now. Sort of in the favor category, you've got industrial as a darling for investors. Um, retail, maybe some of the headline risk is is um, making people a little bit cautious. But up there running all along, sort of like the Energizer bunny, has been multifamily, that investors just have, have had great experience with their investments or lending in multifamily. And they look at a lot of the fundamentals and see see the demand continuing and, um, and, uh, and really the markets perform pretty well. So uh, we continue to hear, again, across different capital sources that, um, that multifamily remains a, a favored asset class to, again, both invest in and for lenders to, to, um, to lend on. Mm. And I think that we certainly have the same view as, as we lend in the permanent debt market. Right? I think we continue to hear from investors and from, whether it's on the bond side or on the primary market side, a lot of uh, uh, confidence that the market kind of continues to perform well. I know that in other segments of the market, say like in the debt funds, you hear from others who are in transitional properties and things like that. Is it the same story there? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, if you think about the different capital sources, so uh, GSE lenders, um, life insurance companies lenders, CMBS, banks, life companies, um, you get a variety of different uh, sort of motivations for investing and a different sort of sweet spot for the type of loan that they might want to make. Uh, so the the stereotype would be that a life company loan would tend to be maybe a bigger loan and a more conservative loan. Um, banks might tend to do uh, smaller loans and more floating rate. Uh, the investor-driven lenders like mortgage REITs and debt funds really need sector that are, are sort of marrying two, two key parts of the supply and demand of capital right now. Where on the demand side, there's a lot of interest in transitional properties, in um, in um, in bridge loans, that sort of a thing. 
And then on the um, supply of capital, there are a lot of investors out there who have looked at the performance of multifamily mortgages, other commercial mortgages, and really like what they've seen and want to get money into the space. And so uh, debt funds, uh, mortgage REITs, and other investors and lenders have sort of grown as this, uh, this conduit to connect those investors with these opportunities to transition properties. So can we look at this from another perspective too? So not just the lender and investor perspective, but from the uh, the borrower's perspective. And so just curious, maybe we'll pick a few different borrower types and property types and see where might they go for capital? What what type of lender would they go with? And so we can look at the commercial side and the uh, and the residential side. So I'll pick a couple. So let's just think adaptive reuse of maybe converting an old office building into uh, multifamily. Where is that borrower likely to go for capital? Yeah, great question. So that, that would tend to be a shorter term loan. Um, so more of an adjustable rate loan. Uh, that would maybe traditionally be uh, fit most within a bank portfolio. Um, but then the, uh, the investor-driven lenders have been growing in that space as well. Um, and one thing about it, too, is that I think there are, there are the archetypal loans for different capital sources, but that doesn't mean that a life insurance company won't be interested in going and making a an adaptive reuse type of a loan. So um, it's there, there are a lot of different capital sources out there, um, which is why I think you do see a lot of focus on um, getting a good advisor, mortgage banker, someone to help navigate a, a borrower to figure out what are my options here and what's going to make the most mm-hmm. sense for this particular property in this particular market. Got it. Uh, so then let, let's pick another one then uh, to just uh, capital A affordable property. It'd be a you know, seasoned LIHTC property. Where Where is that borrower likely to go? Yeah. Uh, so a, a capital A affordable, you've got a variety of sources. Um, certainly the GSEs um, as, as a key source, also FHA and banks, um, particularly with some of the uh, CRA drivers there. Uh, so again, a, a variety of different uh, opportunities there for, for a borrower. And then the um, uh, on the commercial side, so you talked about the uh, the Amazon distribution center. So let's pick a big commercial one and a little commercial one. So where where's a where's a property like that getting its cap? Uh, if if it's a really big one, um, there are a couple of key sources you might go to. You might go to a a bank or a life company who might syndicate the loan, um, and they might take that loan and sort of take the lead on it, but then find other investors to take pieces of it. Um, there's also a very active single asset, single borrower market in the CMBS, where, again, a large property can back an individual bond, um, and and that'll be sold in the secondary market. So, again, lot, lots of neat opportunities out there for, for borrowers, depending on, their, uh, on, on what they're looking for. All right. And then maybe the last one. Uh, just small, uh, you know, local, uh, local business called Josiah Carberry's Ceramic Shop. Where is Josiah Carberry going for cop- uh, for capital? I, I think uh, Mr. Carberry might go. Professor Carberry might go to uh, a, a a bank or a um, or uh, a possibly a CMBS loan is where it would end up. Again, I think that one of the the things you see in this market is that having having a mortgage banker, having an advisor help you navigate that system uh, really brings out all the different opportunities that are out there because there there are a lot of different opportunities and each one might have something that's better tailored to a particular borrower and a particular property. 
that was great coverage of the of the different segments of the market. And you, you also have a similar role to us in that you're the commercial real estate kind of piece of something that includes the residential market as well, the single family residential market. And so certainly we get questions about, you know, as single family residential potentially gains strength, as there's a little bit more demand there, what happens in multifamily? Do you have views on that? Um, it's funny. It's a great question. Back a couple of years ago, a colleague of mine and I, uh, Lynn Fisher, we put together a paper on household demand and sort of looking at the demographic changes coming to the country, social changes and economic sort of bounce back from the, the downturn. And the takeaway from that was that between 2014 and 2024, the U.S. was likely to add 16 million additional households. So 1.6 million households a year. That would be the largest 10-year growth in history for the U.S. So lots of housing demand there. Um, when we look at what's happened the last two years, we've had sort of 1.6 million households, I think, in 2017 added, 1.7 in 2018. Uh, so we're seeing that growth really chugging along. Our key takeaway from that was that sort of both single family and multifamily, there's lots of demand out there. And uh, particularly then when you look at what's being constructed um, and the fact that construction has remained muted on the single family side, that sort of keeps, keeps that um, balance tipped towards probably more demand than supply right now. It's, it's an interesting piece. We've got on the multifamily side, we've had very strong construction. So we've got more multifamily units under construction right now than we have at any time since the mid-70s. So lots of supply out there. But with some of the, the lack of supply on the single family side, with the growth of the millennials and others, it's really the market has been staying in pretty, pretty good balance. Would, would you agree on that? Certainly, that's uh, that's very similar to what we say, and I think those demographic forecasts that you talked about at the beginning, the work that you you've done, um, we've done similar kinds of, of work, and uh, and I think that what we're starting to see a little bit is strength in in both the residential single family residential market and the multifamily market at the same time. And I think that there were times where people kind of want to think about those as discrete or competitors, and like you say, at this point, there's plenty of demand f for both, and and maybe I mean we've talked a lot about the strength of the overall market. Um, and, and where you, how you get to where it is today on the origination side. I know you also didn't do a forecast, right? As do we. We do a lot of things the same. Um, and so as you're looking forward, what are you thinking about are the factors that are going to drive originations in the, in the years ahead? It, our forecast uh, for this coming year um, took a bit of a shift. And the shift was really driven by a change in our macroeconomic forecast to see rates, overall rates, lower for longer. And uh, when we look at our model for uh, forecasting multifamily originations, we sort of follow a path from what's happening with property values and the property values and changes in property values really driving um, property sales transactions and sales transactions being really tightly tied to originations activity. And so um, when you look at the, the sort of history that we've got, and it's not a long history, but 2005 to the present, uh, when property values are growing and growing more quickly than sales and originations are going up, when property values are declining, declining more quickly than sales and originations are going down and then back up again. Um, so the, the change in outlook from, as you mentioned at the top, uh, expectations that rates would continue to climb and would be you know, up in the threes at this point as opposed to down in the one eights, um, that, that changed what 
expectations are for property values as well as then origination. So um, with those rates lower for longer, we think that's a positive for property values um, and cap rates, uh, and that that flows right through to uh, to sales and origination. So our forecast uh, for this year, 2019, our expectation is we're going to end the year with at just about $360 billion of multifamily uh, lending, and then going ahead to next year, probably in the $390 billion range. So um, so pretty strong market record years, sort of one after the other with that. Yeah, so now, now that we're looking ahead a little bit, uh, are there some you know, maybe specific trends that you're starting to see? I mean, we're starting to hear more interest in you know, ESG funds, uh, other social impact things. Are you seeing that as well? It, there's There's been a lot of focus and rightfully so on affordability and uh, and how that plays out in the housing market and um, and sort of what can be done to assist that so I think that falling into some of that ESG focus is is absolutely a place we're likely to see investors focused um, more it's it's you think about the size of the multifamily market and therefore the opportunities to invest in it uh, along with the affordability challenges as a key component of, of ESG, um, and it seems like it's a, a marriage just sort of waiting to happen. Now, are you seeing, uh, as you talk to all of the, these institutions, are you seeing attention from them on the affordability challenges as well? Uh, we are, and I think it, it comes in in a variety of different forms. So one thing I'll throw out is that MBA just started a, a large initiative, Steve O'Connor, um, SVP there, leading up, focused on affordability issues in both the single family and the multifamily side. So we're absolutely um, doing a lot of work there trying trying to make, it, make a difference. Uh, in, in addition to that, you look across the market and I think it's twofold. On the one hand, it, you can look at the needs and the numbers that come out from the Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard or elsewhere at the, the challenges of affordability and how real they are and, and how important they are. Um, you can also just look from a business side that, um, that the fact that uh, housing is more affordable, is, is become more expensive, means that no matter where you are in the business, you're looking to try and make sure that you are are building a product and financing a product in such a way that the consumers can end up uh, affording it. So, um, without a doubt, it's it's a piece that we're seeing uh, sort of hitting on a, on a number of different levels. All right. So I mean, we've covered a lot around affordability, about the robustness of, of multifamily. Um, uh, so for folks who are investing in multifamily debt, you know, how how are those invest investments performing for them? <laughs> it, it's been just a remarkable time in terms of loan performance. So if you look at delinquency rates uh, for the GSEs, for life insurance companies, um, they're you know, 0.0 something percent, just a remarkably low delinquency rates. Bank delinquency rates on multifamily loans are at record lows. Uh, so the loans that people have been making have been performing sort of beyond expectations. So I think that's something that has continued to draw more interest in the space. Uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, there have been a lot of tailwinds for the loan performance to, to get to these very low rates. Um, probably won't have quite those same tailwinds going forward. Um, but overall, that, that experience, again, continues to draw, draw investors to multifamily debt. So it sounds like a, you know, a lot of good news and performance, but you also did just mention uh, maybe we won't see those tailwinds going forward. Are, are there some things that uh, make you a little nervous? 
Sure, I'd say maybe rather than nervous, it's it's sort of a, a just a recognition that for the last number of years, everything has been at our backs. So um, you've had declining interest rates, you've had continuous economic growth, great household formation, um, the uh, the jobs market has been great. Everything you could imagine being a positive factor has been a positive factor, um, and. You know, knock on wood, we want that to continue for as long as we possibly can. Uh, I think there's a recognition that maybe not all of those things continue to be at our backs going forward, and we start to get some headwinds along with some tailwinds going forward. So that, that's not necessarily a, a negative, but it's, it's sort of a recognition about how great these last number of years have been. And, and we've, uh, we've all certainly seen that across the industry. So, Jamie, thank you so much for being here today. It was a really great discussion, really great to have you. Oh, thanks so much for, for letting me join you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.